Howdy, and welcome to Dying to Know. We are your hosts. Hosts. I'm Lindsay. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> uh, and today we are attempting take two. Technically, yes. no one knows about the first take. <laughs> they just know that we had technical difficulties. A lot. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing take two of the second part of Unusual Deaths, which during the first take we realized uh, is going to be more than just two parts. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we recorded for like an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And then realized the audio was messed up and everything. So this is episode 19? Sure. Okay. So episode 19. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's 19. It is 19. Yeah, because I have the file Nin- on my computer for it. 19 and a half. Yeah, 19 and a half. <laughs> uh, so just kind of a heads up. We tweaked some audio things. Uh, we're recording on my laptop instead of my desktop uh, because we're currently in a hotel because mm-hmm. we're homeless. <laughs> we're waiting for uh, our house to do an inspection on. So we are kind of improvising here. Yep. And- so bear with us, please. We've attempted to tweak the audio as much as we can but yep hopefully so. it's not too loud or too quiet or anything like that okay all right so uh we ended the last unusual deaths episode uh with adolf frederick the king of sweden who ate himself to death in 1771 uh he had like a million things to like eat and then had 14 servings of yeah. His favorite dessert. Still can't that. still can't say I blame him for that. <laughs> um I mean it's a decent he, way to go. It is, but homie needed to pick better food. I mean, for the king of Sweden, I feel like those are those were all probably his favorites to be honest. Wings, pizza, tacos nachos and brownies i don't think they had any of those in 17 doesn't matter that's that's how i want to go his versions of those were lobster caviar sauerkraut which i definitely don't understand smoked herring and champagne and then didn't he eat like some kind of like bread or some shit it was a sweet roll yeah see served in a bowl of hot milk yeah see wings pizza what'd i say okay tacos nachos brownies mm-hmm. but i forgot bacon i'm gonna substitute tacos for bacon why don't you just uh put bacon on like your nachos no because it's separate you can like sprinkle it on there though and then you get both Lindsay, listen then you don't to have me. to sacrifice listen tacos. to me pizza shit you, you can't even remember anymore. pizza wings <laughs> Nachos, bacon, brownies. That's how I want to go out. I can hear you drinking that. Well, I could hear you breathe a little bit ago, so we're we're just on on track here for a whole. This is gonna be an interesting episode. Yeah, because we're bitchy. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're cranky. We're bored out of our mind. We've been trapped in a hotel because. I just changed bases. I'm technically on like a 14-day quarantine period. We don't have anywhere to live. We're waiting for housing to clear. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's 10 o'clock at night. 
So let's just go on with this before it turns into an hour of us bitching. I mean, it's probably going to be that anyway. Fair enough. All right, so we're jumping into the 19th century. Okay. We're going to attempt to get to the 20th century, but uh, we might just have to see where we are Yeah. So. At a certain point. Yeah, let's just so, roll with it. Jumping in. Uh, 19th century, which is the 1800s. Okay. okay, so we're jumping right into 1854. Uh, William Snyder, a 13-year-old boy, died in San Francisco, California, when a circus clown swung him around by his heels. Ah, yes. So, so we're saying the clown picked him up by his ankles, essentially, and just whipped him around. Yes. I, I want to know what the purpose of this was. Yeah. Like, was he trying to be funny? Was this, a, like, a running gag that Circus Clowns did up to this point? I would assume it's supposed to be, like, like fun. I mean, we don't know if, like, we don't know, did he hit his head against something? Pro- I guarantee. Like. I guarantee, like, he swung him, and as he was, like, coming around, the kid, like, hit his head on the ground or did something. Did he swing him for so long that the blood, like, went to his head and he passed out and then died? Like. I like to think that this clown was being attacked by a bunch of kids. He picked up one kid and was trying to beat the rest of them to death with this uh, kid. Uh, yes, so he just the swing. Old, the old child club. Yeah. All Not right. to be confused with the child club, which is a club made of children. This was a club made of a child. Singular. Single, singular. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, we have Matilda of Austria, who was the Archduchess... Uh, Oh, sorry. She was an archduchess. Yep. Uh, daughter of Archduke Albrecht. Mm-hmm. Died at the age of 18. Uh, she put on a gauze dress and went to the theater in gauze, not medical gauze, but like it, it was t- like a type of linen dress. Okay. Uh, before leaving for the theater, she wanted to have, uh, she, want, she wanted to smoke a cigarette, but uh, right after she lit up, her father, who had forbidden her from smoking, uh, approached her and she hid the cigarette behind her dress, which immediately set fire to her dress, being a very flammable material. Uh, and she got second and third degree burns, which is what she died of. So she... She was a rebellious teenager and it cost her her life. I mean, dude, I'm a I'm, I'm big fan of... Uh... The Darwin effect. This girl was dying. If she was stupid enough to put a lit cigarette in her dress. She hid it behind her dress. Oh, I took that as like she put it in her dress. No, she it, it says she hid the cigarette behind her dress. So she literally tucked like, it behind it... her back. Didn't realize that the lit end touched her dress. And literally the whole thing went up in flames. See kids? Smoking kills. <laughs> yeah. Not always in the long term either. All right. Uh, next is Clement Valendingham. Okay, that's a name. Valendingham? <laughs> Valendingham. Valendingham. A lawyer and Ohio politician defending a man accused of murder. Uh, he accidentally shot himself and died while demonstrating how the victim might have accidentally shot himself. And his client was cleared. So he's doing a demonstration. About how... The victim that his client was being tried for killing, of, yeah, uh, how the victim might have accidentally shot and killed himself. And he shot and killed himself. And this guy shot and killed himself in that demonstration. Uh, so he proved his point. He did. 
damn huge. good lawyering, if if I do say yeah, so myself. Yeah, I mean, I guess you you really can't be pissed off if you're the guy who uh, he was defending. Did the guy? I I missed it. It said he was cleared. Oh, so hey, it worked. Yeah. All right. Next, we have Henry Taylor. Uh, in 1872, he was a pallbearer in London. Uh, he tripped over a stone and stumbled as he was carrying a coffin. And the other pallbearers let go of the coffin. Obviously, they were startled or they felt it starting to fall, so they just let go of it. Uh, and it fell on top of him, crushing him to death in front of all of the mourners. And, of course, the widow of the woman... Sorry, the widow of the man in the coffin went into hysterics <laughs> okay so dude was carrying the coffin died i have two theories about this one okay uh one that the other paul bears plotted his death but he's he you're saying that they lied he didn't he, trip over a stone? he stumbled and all of them let go i'm calling bullshit but whatever because if you ever <laughs> like I was a Paul Bearer once, if you're old grand, I was a kid, and I was literally there for show, because it was like all the cousins, and I was the youngest. Mm. But caskets are heavy. Yeah. One person letting go, you're not all of a sudden, all of you are going to be like, oh, fuck it, we're going to drop it. <laughs> uh, so either, I've, I have a theory that either the other Paul Bearers wanted Henry dead. Okay. Um, And the second theory kind of fits in along with that is... Henry seems like a one-upper. He <sighs> died at someone else's funeral, right? Uh -huh. This is—he's the equivalent of the people that propose at someone else's wedding. <laughs> Stealing the thunder. He's like, "Oh, this guy has a nice this funeral. Just wait." Yeah, but he's—he's he's a pallbearer. Like the way this is written makes it sound like it was literally his job to carry coffins. So. So no, no. So what a, about this guy? A pallbearer is. The person who helps carry the coffin, yes. But at funerals, it's typically like family members or people that were close to him. Or... Now it is, but in 1872? Pixar didn't happen. I'm sticking by my, my two theories. Okay. Proceed. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so next we have Sunanda Kumariratana. Gesundheit. Yeah. Uh, was the Queen of Siam, and her unborn daughter drowned uh, when her royal boat capsized on the way to the royal palace. Many witnesses uh, to the accident did not dare touch the queen, which was considered a capital offense, not even to save her life. I remember the last time we, we talked about this one. I, I thought it was really interesting because, like, because um, spoiler alert, I've heard a lot of these before because we tried <laughs> recording this uh in the past but so it was a capital offense to touch the queen so she's drowning so no one went in to save her because even if they saved her they'd be breaking the law mm -hmm. uh which is interesting because the modern day equivalent of that is the people when like someone saves someone who is drowning or whatever and then like tries to sue them for assault yeah it's literally the modern day equivalent. That's like the modern day equivalent, but really quick technical question: If I turn down my headset here, it the... won't mess with the actual vocals, no. right? Okay. No. Because you're really loud in my head right now. <laughs> you always tell me I'm really loud. That's better. Okay. Uh. So yeah, and even if someone had gone against 
the capital offense, they probably would have been put to death for touching her, even if it was to save her life. I wonder if she would have had the power to, like, overturn that. I mean, probably she's the queen of Siam. But not sometimes, like... Yeah. You know? I'm just curious. All right, so next we have Sir William Payne Galway, uh, a former British MP who sustained several internal injuries when he fell over and landed on a turnip while out hunting. He died a few days later. I remember talking about this mm-hmm. and if turnips had like really hard stems, because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. I just don't understand how he had... I mean, yeah, I don't know. What? Uh, like how you su- you sustain severe internal injuries from falling onto a turnip. Uh, so the only thing I'm thinking is like, so like turnips, uh, kind of look like um, as dumb as it sounds, it kind of looks like like a radish. It's yeah. got like the bulb and then the mm-hmm. the green sprouty things at the top. Uh, you thinking the sprouty thing stabbed him? I. I'm. I don't know. I'm thinking that maybe if they it was really dry and he fell on it, it could have like pierced his stomach or some shit. I don't think so. That's... Looking looking at these, they're they're not like. I know. Like they have like, like even their stalks aren't like a solid thing. It's like a bunch of little ones. I know, and that's what I. Uh, that's why I'm trying to figure out how the hell this dude died by falling on a turnip. Maybe it was a really big turnip, and it like when he. F- if he fell from a decent enough height, it like broke a rib and then that stabbed him in a lung or I, I don't know. Whatever. He died. Alan Pinkerton in 1884, the founder, Aww. we had a whole discussion about this. I'm so dis, I'm so disappointed that didn't make it because yeah. I blew your mind. You did. You instantly guessed that it was the founder of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. And then you asked me how the hell I knew what that was. <laughs> yeah. And my nerd side came out and I said, because Booker DeWitt, the main character from Bioshock Infinite, was a Pinkerton detective. <laughs> That's one of my favorite video games. Uh, but Alan Pinkerton was in Chicago, Illinois, when he tripped on the pavement and severely bit his tongue. His tongue then became infected with gangrene, which ultimately led to his death. Oh, so I didn't even think about it. So like, his tongue got infected, which makes sense because the human mouth is kind of gross. And it's 1884, so it's, it's 1884, not like so he, practices have been established, really. So he bit his tongue. It gets uh-huh. infected. Can you imagine? He had gangrene in his mouth. How bad his breath stank. Literal death. Yeah. His breath smelled like death. The death of his he tongue. He could clear a room. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> All right. So here we have our first unknown. We had a okay. few of these as we were reading the first time, but this is the first one. In 1888, at around 8.30 p.m., a shower of meteorite pieces fell like rain on a village in Iraq, uh, which at the time was part of the Ottoman Empire. One man died from the impact of one of the pieces, while another was also hit but was left paralyzed. Uh, Corroborated by several official sources, the man's death is considered the first, and as of this year, the only credible evidence of a person being killed by a meteorite. Hmm. Insert a joke about things falling onto villages in Iraq, which is the joke we made the first time. 
but uh now in hindsight it's probably not that funny no (laughs) it's really kind of sad um but yeah it is interesting that he is the only which is weird because i've heard other stories where they claim like because i know there's a woman that was claimed to have been hit by a meteorite but she might not have died hit but probably not died maybe that's what i'm thinking of uh okay bridget driscoll in 1896 was the first recorded case of a pedestrian uh, killed in a collision with a motor car Uh, as the as driscoll with her teenage daughter and her daughter's friend crossed dolphin terrace on the grounds of the crystal palace in london driscoll was struck by a car belonging to the anglo-french motor carriage company that was being used to give demonstration rides so I would think about this last time, like, I wonder how fast the car was going. It could have been going very fast, right? but fast enough to kill her. Well, I mean, back then, right? Like, the cars weren't that fast, but they were heavy as shit. Truth. So she went down under the wheels. So it even was... if the impact didn't kill her, being run over by the car it's, would have. That's would've... honestly probably what killed her. Yeah. Is being run over. Not, not like, being slammed. She probably got hit by it, knocked down, then ran over. And that's mm-hmm. probably what killed her. I didn't think about that last time. All right. Uh, Empress Elizabeth of Austria in 1898. During a trip in Geneva, the Empress was stabbed to death with a thin file by the Italian anarchist Luigi Luceni. This one's really cool. The weapon pierced the victim's pericardium and the lung. And the pericardium, I think I said, was the, Cardi- it's the it's sack the, around, around the heart. heart. Uh, because of the sharp, and granted, I might be wrong about that. I'm just going off of what I've learned in Dr. TV shows. <laughs> uh, because of the sharpness and thinness of the file, the wound was very narrow, and due to pressure from Elizabeth's extremely tight corseting, which was usually sewn onto her, so, like, super duper tight. Skin tight. Uh, she did not notice what had happened, and she actually thought that uh, someone... A, a, passerby had just like bumped into her that they had hit her Uh, and she continued walking for a while before she eventually collapsed from blood loss so one i just looked Mm -hmm. up you were right that is what that is a pericardium is the sacrament heart uh two so she got stabbed Uh uh-huh thought someone ran into her which is interesting that so the only thing the only reason way this works is if the corset was so ungodly tight that it was causing her constant pain, that she didn't realize that she got stabbed. Well, you figure... So corsets were known to be super oh, tight yeah. in the first place. Uh, but you figure she might have felt like a like a sharp like stab when they stabbed her. But the initial... Like the, the corset creating the pressure would probably uh, numb any like real pain that she had felt that's interesting you know what and I mean? we talked about that like the pressure from the corset probably like relieved a little bit as she walked like yeah. her body shifted mm-hmm. and that's probably how she started bleeding out and then it would and stop, we talked and about too that if she had realized what had happened she might have actually survived it if she had gotten immediate medical attention but, but then again look at the time probably like, not maybe uh, we said might might Mate. <laughs> All right. So now we've made it into the 20th century. Okay. So now our goal is to try to make it to the 21st century. What's our time? Oh, you're you're good. We're good. at like 15, 20 minutes. Great. Okay. So hopefully we can make it to the 20th century. 
but I know it breaks it down by decades in this one. So, all right. So the first section here is from 1901 to 1960. All right. And our first one in 1903 is another unknown. <sighs> okay. So I don't know why hearing like unknown makes me so skeptical. Why? I don't know. It's, it's something about like, this is a confirmed death, but we don't know who it was. Or like, they I, just I, chose not to disclose their name. Fair enough. Uh, so this one, an unnamed person was beaten to death with a Bible during a healing ceremony gone wrong in Honolulu. The victim was being treated for malaria when his family summoned a kahuna who decided he was possessed by devils, plural, and tried to exercise the demons. The kahuna was brought up on a charge of manslaughter. So he thought the poor dude... guy just literally has malaria. Yeah, and the dude basically thinks oh, I'm gonna beat the demons out of him with a Bible. Yep. Um, and proceeded to beat him to death. This goes into the how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie pop? Like how many whacks from the Bible does it take to get the demons out? Like <laughs> the Bible, the Bible is not a, a thin book. And you figure, okay, maybe it was a hard-covered one. Maybe it was leather-bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you aren't going to kill someone with one or two blows. Yeah. You will literally have to beat the ever-loving crap out of them with a yeah. Bible to kill them. And at one point, like, did the family just let it keep happening? Right. That's That's what blows my mind with this kind of stuff. Like, I get it. If they're religious and they think this is the, the well, cure... Well, at the same time, you're trusting... A kahuna, who is a religious leader, like you're you're relying on him to not only cure this person, but to not go so far as to kill them. Uh, they put their faith in the wrong person. Yeah. No pun intended. Or pun intended. What'd I say? I put they put their faith in the wrong person? No pun intended, but I am proud of it. So I'll take it. <laughs> All right, uh, so now in 1916, we have Grigory Rasputin. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> I love this story. I'm going to do a whole episode on him. Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked about it. The little blurb I give here is barely, a, you know, a touch on what actually goes down. Well, but... we'll do like what we did with the last time we tried to record this. You tell what that says, and I'll add a little bit of spice to it. <laughs> According to the Russian mystic's murderer himself, Prince Felix Yusupov, uh, Rasputin consumed tea, cakes, and wine, which had been laced with cyanide, but he did not appear to be affected by the poison. Uh, He was then shot in the chest and believed to be dead, but after a while he leapt up and attacked the prince, who freed himself and fled. Rasputin followed after the prince and made it to the courtyard before being shot again and collapsing into a snowbank. Uh, the conspirators, Prince, the prince and all the it other is, people. Yeah, it was the other people at the dinner party. Uh, then wrapped Rasputin's body, uh, I think it was into a rug. It was a rug. And dropped it into the Malaya Nevka River. Okay, so what I think is really cool about this, and Lindsay knows the story because I, I, this whole thing fascinates me. So Rasputin was, he was an advisor. Mm-hmm. At but the time. he was also known to have dabbled in, like, the dark arts. Dark arts, and he was supposedly immortal. He's, uh, for, I mean, the name is familiar because he was the villain in the animated movie uh, Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a lot of, um, actually, he's the villain in the original Hellboy movie. That is Rasputin. Is mm, I'm almost positive. 
Don't quote me on that. I will look it up and make sure. But uh, he, what he uh, did was basically he was the. A lot of people saw him as the puppet master of the time, like yeah. he was in the background controlling like the government the and everything. And, yeah. yeah, he. Um, so anyway, they they hatch this plot to kill him. And what's so interesting about it is there's so many various accounts of what happened. Like you read that one, mm-hmm. but there's one version where they poisoned him, mm-hmm. then shot him, then stabbed him. Mm-hmm. then beat him to death and he kept waking up every time and what's you know there's one version where they shot him one version where they stabbed him one version where they did all of it like no one yeah. knows exactly what happened because all the witnesses at the dinner party say a different thing yeah what is really cool about it cool for me at least is they killed him after all of this however he died they wrapped him in a rug and threw him in the river mm-hmm. when his body was found there was water in his lungs Showing that, that he, was, he still was still alive, alive when, when he, he went, went in. in the water. Mm-hmm. So no matter what they did, the dude still lived through it. And essentially, the death, Rasputin's death, was ruled as drowning. Yeah. Because the water in his lungs. But I thought that was cool. I'm going to do a whole episode on the reasons why and everything, mm-hmm. all the theories. But yeah, that one's really cool to me. I did a whole like case study on him for <laughs> uh, like the assassination of Rasputin. Mm. All right, uh, now we're going to go to 1919, and this is a group of 21 people. Uh, a large storage tank burst in Boston's North End, releasing a wave of molasses, which killed 21 people and injured 150. This event was later dubbed the Great Molasses Flood. Hmm. just find uh, that really interesting. And to go back one more time, that is in the original Hellboy with Ron Perlman, mm-hmm. the bald dude that is trying to open the portal to hell uh-huh. is Rasputin. Alrighty then. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1923, George Herbert, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. 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 Car- I still can't say it. I know you can't. That's why I keep <laughs> saying it. Carnarvon. 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 George Herbert who financed Howard Carter's search for Tutankhamun, King Tut, uh, died after a mosquito bite, which he had, oh, which he had cut while shaving, uh, which then became infected. So he had the mosquito bite, shaved over it, cut it, and then it became infected. It was probably because his razor was rusty or something. Some attributed his death to the so-called Curse of the Pharaohs. Which is really cool, like theory and that's where a lot of like the mummy movies and stuff come from yeah is uh, all... especially because i i think the original group that exhumed all died weird they all died weird like mm-hmm. i think two of them died of like a rare blood disease and like it was it was a whole like each of them none of them died and at an old right, age of natural causes and i might be pulling stuff out of my ass here but i think the ones that died of the rare blood disease that you were just talking about like the rare blood disease hadn't it was like prevalent in ancient egypt which was yeah. really nuts all right 1924 frank hayes a 35 year old jockey at El- of elmont new york won his first and only race while dead uh, riding a horse, which was called Sweet Kiss, Frank suffered a fatal heart attack mid-race and collapsed on the horse. Sweet Kiss managed to still win with Frank Hayes' body on it, meaning he did technically win. I remember this. This was uh, 
we talked about this. We laughed because, about it because I called it. I called the horse the sweet kiss of death. Yeah, and it was the the jockey died, but because they're strapped to the horse, he mm-hmm. was there. And I made the joke that his arms were probably just flopping, and that and was. And like, I made well, the I made the joke that he was probably still holding onto the, the crop, and that was probably still smacking the horse's <laughs> ass as they were going. Yeah. Um. It's cool though. Like, it sounds horrible saying it's cool, but like his name goes down in the record books. He's the only I person mean, to win while dead. Yeah. And it was his first race. And his last. <laughs> All right. In 1924, Thornton Jones, a lawyer in Bangor, Wales, woke up to find that he had his throat slit. Motioning for a pe- paper and pencil, he wrote, I dreamt that I had done it. I awoke to find it true and died 80 minutes later. He had slit his own throat uh, while he was unconscious. An inquest at Bangor deli- delivered a verdict of suicide while temporarily insane. So this one is fishy, right? Like A little bit. He requested we, I mean, we a talk- pen and pad. Yeah. So someone else was there. Yeah. Whether it was a servant, whether it was whatever, right? Uh, I think whoever gave him the pen and pad did it. Because you're telling me this dude, like, okay, they're sleepwalking. There's talking in your sleep. Mm-hmm. This dude supposedly slit his throat entirely in his sleep. Yeah. I yeah, don't, it's, I it's don't believe bit, it. It's a bit of a stretch to believe, especially yeah. if there was someone else in the room with him. Because like... you're talking, like, you have to cut your throat, like, and you have to, you know. Go a good bit in before you die. Yeah. Before you hit a point where you'll bleed to death. And he didn't wake up through any of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. Uh, meanwhile, the servant that he woke up probably snapped his fingers at and was like, get me a pad and pen. You know, he was getting him that pad and pen. He's like, I'm tired of your shit, old man. <laughs> Hands him the stuff. He writes that down. The servant reads it and goes, huh. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, dude kills himself in his sleep. Yeah. The servant did it. All right, in 1926, Bobby Leach, an American stunt performer, died after a botched amputation of an of the infected leg, which he had broken after slipping on an orange peel. Homie was taken out by an orange peel. Usually, it's a banana peel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sucks. It does. So he slipped, broke his leg. That's not what killed him. The amputation what, and what killed sucks, him. What sucks is like he slips on the orange peel, breaks his leg. Uh, which, as a stunt performer, is already going to put him out of the job because he can't perform stunts. Then he finds out he's going to have to cut his leg cut off. Uh-huh, which ultimately ends his, his career, career. Because yeah. he obviously can't did he, do that. I, I missed the very beginning. Did he die during the surgery, or did he die because of an infection? Uh, it says, after a botched amputation of the infected leg. So the leg was already infected Which is from why they breaking. were amputate, amputating it. Okay. They were amputating it because so of that. So he probably bled out on the operating table. Probably. Uh, and I, again, in 1926, Philip McLean, age 16, and his brothers were clubbing a cassowary, which we figured out was a kind of bird. Yep. It's like an ostrich with a really short neck. On the family property in Mossman, Queensland, when the bird knocked him down, kicked him in the neck, and opened a large cut, leading to death from loss of blood. Maybe this bird is who killed the dude in his sleep. Yes, I'm sure. Queensland to Wales. I mean, both in the same region. That's all I'm saying. The cassowary did it. All right. In September, that's the title 19- of this episode. The cassowary did it. Mm-hmm. 
Alright, so in September 1927, Isadora Duncan, a dancer, broke her neck when her long scarf caught on the wheel of a car in which she was a passenger. So, so her scarf got caught on the wheel, and then I'm assuming when the car turned, it tight, it like it jerked mm-hmm. and broke her neck. And literally broke her neck. That's some final destination. Shit. I also find it funny that the picture that they have of her here, her neck is like she's like standing with her neck like elongated. That's not her like on the autopsy table or anything. No. It's like an actual picture of her. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's it's sad because it always every time they're like. A dancer. Like, what does that mean? She wasn't a stripper. Well, she literally like, could have been a ballet dancer. That's she what I'm curious. Been... Like, there's like so many different. Like, when they say dancer. Yeah, she could right? have just like, been a professional dancer. What time period? 1927. Hmm. Why couldn't she, she? She could have been a stripper. I mean, she could have been. Hell, I don't know. June 1939, Nicholas Comper, aviator and aircraft designer, was stopped from lighting a firework in a pub in Hythe, Kent. Outside, he attempted to light it again, and a passerby inquired what he was doing. He replied that he was an IRA man and was going to blow up the town hall, uh, which prompted the passerby to knock him down. Comper hit his head on the curb, suffered a cerebral hemorrhage, and died later in the hospital. He deserved it. Yeah. 100%. He literally delivered a threat, and someone put him in his place. Yes. And he hit his head. He deserved it. No sympathy. Right. March 1941, Sherwood Anderson, an American writer, died after an accident. After an accidentally swallowed toothpick had damaged his gastrointestinal tract, causing an infection which led to peritonitis. Damn. Yes. That sucks. So. Just goes to show, try not to swallow your toothpicks. I'll remember that next time I have their swallowed toothpick. Right. Uh, July 1951, Mary Reeser's body was found almost totally cremated by police. Uh, while the body was cremated, where Reeser sat in the apartment uh, was relatively... Sorry. That sentence doesn't make any sense. I was going to say that confused the shit out of me. I think it's meant to say where the body was cremated, where mm-hmm. Reeser sat in the apartment. Uh, the area around her was relatively damage-free. Uh, some speculate research spontaneously combusted. Okay, this is that one. In yeah, the, we talked this about this one. She like literally there was like just her ashes and parts of her. Yeah, like her clothes had fused to the chair she was sitting in. Like there was like a whole ankle and foot left that hadn't burned. Still in a slipper or a shoe. This one's really weird because I don't the believe only, it. The only the only connected fire, the only fire near her at the time, I think, was that she had. Uh, a fire going in her hearth, but it was a far enough distance that even like if sparks had gotten onto her, that yeah, like this... they would have had to travel too far, and there was no trail from the hearth to her body showing. Yeah, this one's like, weird. It was like, it, it was weird because like I don't believe in the whole spontaneous combustion thing. Like I just think like humans can't spontaneously combust. Yeah. Um. 
Unless you believe South Park and it's caused by people holding their farts in because they're embarrassed of farting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. This one, I have no explanation for this yeah. one. Uh, 1958, Gareth Jones, an actor, died of a heart attack between scenes of a live television play called Underground. Other members of the cast improvised lines, such as, I'm sure if so-and-so were here, he would say, and then they would deliver his lines, in order to compensate for his absence. Coincidentally, Jones's character was supposed to die of a heart attack in a later scene of the play. So did they know he died? And they kept going? Yeah. Or just like he wasn't feeling good left the stage and they kept going? I, I would assume that it says that he died of a heart attack between scenes. So I would assume that they knew like he was pronounced I, dead almost immediately. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was one of those things where like the actors are out there like where the fuck is he? Like, we're just going to so. improvise. I, I would assume that they knew that he had died. And because it was a live television play, it was being televised. They were like, literally the show must go on. They WWF'd it. You're going to have to explain Okay, uh, when um, Owen Hart died, it was live during a pay-per-view. Uh-huh. He fell, they rushed him off, and they just kept going. Like, they didn't stop. Well, I didn't think that he was pronounced dead right then. Oh, he was pretty much... Uh, I thought that, like, they took him to the hospital and pronounced him dead there. They, or on the way to They it. did... Like, but, he, he died every, fairly soon after he hit the ground. Yeah. But they just, like, show must go on type of thing. And they just well, kept at the going. same time, they probably didn't tell a lot of the talent at the time. No, but... Until was, after the after that show. You know it's what I mean? pretty obvious. Well, yeah, but, I mean... But... People can do a lot on the... That's literally what came to my mind when you that read that. hasn't died yet, so... All right. Now we are into the 1960s. Oh... We've only got two from this decade. Okay. 1961, U.S. Army Specialist John A. Burns and Richard Leroy McKinley and Navy electrician's mate Richard C. Legg were killed by a water hammer explosion during maintenance on the SL-1 nuclear reactor in Idaho. And we looked this up because we didn't know what a water ha- a water hammer was. Yeah. And it's where the pressure from steam and water basically make the pipe explode yeah makes the pipe bend outward it's like a bubble and it'll explode mm-hmm. um what and i want to clarify this because i know i asked this last time his name was richard middle initial c his last name was leg it wasn't a navy dude named richard c leg right <laughs> no okay richard c like the letter period it, okay. l-e-g-g <laughs> Just make it sure. 1966, Nick Pietanita, a skydiver, died four months after an attempt to break the world to break the record for the highest parachute jump. Uh, his suit had depressurized, causing brain damage. So we talked about that. Like it doesn't say specifically that like he didn't open his chute. But yeah, we we didn't know if the if the he died, fall hit yeah. killed him because he didn't open his chute, or he opened his chute, but like the damage had been done. Yeah, and to the point that it it has to be that the brain damage killed him. 
Because it says he died four months after an attempt. Oh, okay. To break the record. I I didn't catch that the first time we read that. So, obviously the brain damage was bad enough that straight up he died. Gotcha. Four months later. All right. So, into the 1970s. 1971. Georgie, Vladislav, and Victor... I'm not saying any of their last names because they're spend, all Russian. I'll spend ten minutes or, on it. Like at least Slavic names. Uh, Soviet cosmonauts. Russian. Died when their Soyuz 11 spacecraft depressurized during preparations for re-entry. These are the only known human deaths outside the Earth's atmosphere. I want to put the caveat on allegedly the only known because we talked about supposedly the the cosmonaut uh, transmissions. Mm-hmm. From the first female cosmonaut. Um, but that's a hell of a way to go. Yeah, So really. their aircraft, or their, I won't call it aircraft, but their spacecraft. I don't know what to call it. Depressurized. Uh, Basically, depressurized, all the oxygen was sucked, sucked out of out, it. Which means either they got sucked out. Or they just suffocated. Or they, and that's, that's a really quick death. Like, it still sucks. It does. Um. I also, regardless of what anyone claims, they are not the only ones to die outside the atmosphere. I oh, no. I know for a fact, like they they can't be the only ones. Yeah. All right, 1974. Uh, don't get triggered. Basil Brown. <laughs> hey, you said Basil. You can call him Basil. He's human. He's human. It's not a dog. <laughs> if it was a dog named Basil, we would have issues. Uh, so Basil Brown, a 48-year-old health food advocate in Croydon, London, or sorry, Croydon, England, died from liver damage after he consumed 70 million units of vitamin A and around 10 U.S. gallons of carrot juice over 10 days, turning his skin bright yellow. And we talked about this that I don't think the carrot juice turned his skin yellow. I think it was his liver shutting down. It could be both. It could be, but I, I think it's more jaundice, jaundice than it is. So, not only was he taking the however much vitamin A, vitamin A is the primary thing in carrot juice. Yeah. So he was literally poisoning his system with vitamin A. Yeah. But he's supposedly a health food. We talked about it. That's a Darwin Award right there. Like. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Like, he supposedly literally like, caused his own death. That's like the equivalent of going, oh, water's good for me. I'm just going to drink water till I die. Like, yeah. giving yourself, like, H2O poisoning. Like, it's possible. Right. Uh, 1975, Alex Mitchell. Okay. After watching the, quote, Kung Fu Keepers episode of the show The Goodies, Alex Mitchell laughed continuously for 25 minutes and then fell dead on his sofa from heart failure due to what doctors late. Doctors discovered years later via his granddaughter uh, was a genetic condition called Long QT Syndrome. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I looked up what the goodies was. It's a it was a, a British sitcom. Interesting. Apparently, that episode Kung Fu Capers was particularly funny. It was. Uh... It literally says, like, when you Google them, widely regarded as Britain's favorite comedy trio. Oh, they so had, they're, they're kind of like the Three Stooges, but English? Yeah, but nine seasons. They were on TV for 12 years in Britain. Wow. And then there, there was, like, a revival, not 
recent, but pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Me either. Uh, 1977, Tina Christofferson died when she frantically, sorry, frantically, fanatically drank four U.S. gallons of water a day to combat stomach cancer. Mm, so, goes back mm-hmm. to the carrot juice thing. Like, you hear that, oh, this is good for you, or this will this will fix things. Yeah. Like, too much of a good thing can still be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and we talked and about she this, probably, someone probably told her that, you know, she needed to cleanse or her flush system. her system. So drinking a lot of water would help, but probably didn't give her the exact amount. And she just kept chugging water because when people, well, when and people on top hear of they that, have, your body probably can't absorb any vitamins or nutrients from the food you're eating if you're constantly. Well, yeah, but like it's, it's the thing with like, and this is not. I'm trying to make it say this without coming out wrong. Same with, like, when people find out they have cancer, they panic, which, mm-hmm. rightfully so, cancer's yeah. scary. But There's they a panic. reason it's called the big C. Like, Yeah, but, like, it's one of those things people hear they have cancer and they go into panic, and it's like, oh, this might work. I'm going to uh, go crazy with it. So okay. they go kind of um, yeah. overboard, and they'll overdo it, and this was a perfect example of that. Exactly. All right. Uh, 1977, Tom Price, and, uh, sorry, Tom Price, a driver in the 1977 South African Grand Prix, was killed alongside Fire Marshal Frederick Jansen Van Vuren after being struck on the head by a fire extinguisher when his car, traveling at 170 miles per hour, hit Jansen Van Vuren. Uh, as he was running across the racetrack to extinguish a separate burning car. Okay, so I'm going to paint the picture here. So Car A crashes. Yes. The fire marshal is running, Grabs ac- the fire extinguisher. And was running across the track to put out that fire. Mm-hmm. Car B, which has Price, Tom Price in it, hits, hits the, fire the fire marshal, marshal. kills him, uh-huh. and the fire extinguisher he was carrying hits the hits driver at such a velocity that, that it kills, kills him. the driver. Damn. Yeah. Now that, okay, retract my statement. That's Final Destination shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1978. We, Kurt Gudel, an Austrian-American logician and mathematician, died of starvation when his wife was hospitalized. Gudel oh. refused to eat food prepared by anyone else as he was suffering from an obsessive fear of being poisoned. Yes, we talked about this. That he was so afraid of being poisoned that he only trusted his wife to make him food. And when she was in the hospital, he essentially starved to death. Yeah, which he, I, just, I just find really sad. It is really sad. and But, like, I don't know. I know. It's <sighs> it's really sad. But, A, he could have made his own food. Which, okay, if he didn't know how to cook. B, and this is, you're going to throw me a look when I say this. Uh, also, partially his wife's fault. Mm-hmm. Because this wasn't a surprise. Like, when people have, like, an irrational fear like that, it kind of rules their lives. Yeah. Right? So his wife didn't – I'm not saying it was her responsibility. No, but – But she also helped feed into it. Yeah. She didn't help prepare him for an instance where she would not be able to prepare him. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. and, but it's, it's not her responsibility. It, it's not. And we're but, talking about 1978 here. Like, it's, it's yeah. you know, people are starting to come out of the whole, like, women are the homemaker thing. But 
it's still very much a prevalent thing here. So yeah, I know. I'm just that's really yeah. sad, but like it's very sad, it's weird but also like but it's hard to have pity at the same yeah. time. I think I'm more sad for his wife than anything. Yeah. But all right. Uh, Maybe this was her plan all along. Get her, get her dependent on him, him dependent on her, that she stops, he kills himself. Mm. Uh, September 1978, Georgi Markov was assassinated on a London street via a micro-engineered pellet containing ricin, fired into his leg from an umbrella wielded by someone associated with the Bulgarian Secret Service. It has been speculated that the... Uh, Bulgarian Secret Service asked the KGB for help with assassinating Markov. Uh, which is entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Entirely in their wheelhouse. We're talking about the uh, the you're still in the midst of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, basically Russia, the Soviet Union at the time, um, was looking for al- as many allies as they could. Mm. So anyone they could get into bed because like so the KGB, um, when you translate it to English, because I'm not going to say it in Russian, is the basically it's the Committee for State Security. It's yeah. the Rush. It was the Soviet equivalent of the CIA. Uh, so what they would do is, and this is well documented, they would carry out assassinations for other countries, and then use the fact that they did that for them as blackmail to help control countries. Yeah. It was a proxy war. It happened all over the place probably happened on our side too like they both sides were playing as dirty as possible yeah to basically shore up interests around the world um so i would not put it past the kgb if it, it could have been entirely a kgb mm. plan yeah um that whole it's, like time it's frame interesting is to amazing. me though that like that they had an umbrella that they had rigged essentially to fire off like mm-hmm. a gun but it fired off this pellet which is teeny tiny mm-hmm. uh and they contained ricin yeah uh that literally it it just got fired into his like he probably didn't even realize what had happened probably felt like a bug bite to him yeah and before he knows it he's he's dead well look at so like if you go into the history books like that whole time period um it sounds weird to say this but like the cold war was like the golden age of espionage yeah. Like, that was when spies and assassins and, like, stuff really got employed. Well, it's and also when, like, uh, all the James Bond movies and everything took got off, Got really too, big, because yeah. Because people loved the idea of the spy thing. And, and also terrified them. Well, um, yeah. But look at, so what's crazy is, like, going into, like, assassinations, I'm not trying to derail, I promise. If you look nowadays, uh, just recently and by recently... I don't remember what year it was. It was in the last, like, five, ten years. You had um, North Korean agents killed uh, one of Kim Jong-un's, like, half-brothers in the airport with a neurotoxin. Yeah. Um, And that's along the same lines as this. Because it's funny because, like... That's the one that was... They touched him with it. Was that was was that the one that was exiled to China? Uh, he was because being he held. Was gay? He, no, I think he was being held in China. Or was that a cousin? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Um, but yeah, it was. It's kind of crazy because like you always hear about like North Korea is like they're self isolated. They're behind technologically. They're mm-hmm. playing catch up, and they're employing tactics 
that were employed in the Cold War. Yeah. So it still shows that they are like they're still kind of living in the past. Uh, yeah. So it was 2017, and it was Kim Jong Un's half brother. He's the okay. oldest brother. He was the oldest son of uh, King Jong Il, uh, Kim Jong Un's father. Um. But yeah. Okay. Oh, here we are. Uh, 1979, Robert Williams, a worker at a Ford Motor Company plant, became the first person known to be killed by a robot when the arm of a factory robot struck him in the head. So I'm assuming they just, like, swung and hit him in the head. Yeah. Uh, 1979, John Bowen, a 20-year-old from Nashua, New Hampshire, was killed at a halftime show at Shea Stadium when a 40-pound model plane shaped like a lawnmower crashed into the stands. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, the 1980s. Do-do-do. All right, August of 1980, we have Lords Maria da Silva uh, was going upstairs carrying a... I don't remember this one. Go ahead. Uh, Was going upstairs carrying a Pyrex glass in Brazil. uh, Pyrex being like the the dish. The dishware. Yeah. Uh, When she tripped broke the glass, and fell on the shards, cutting her neck artery. She died on her way to hospital. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember you talking about that one. I, re- I really don't remember talking about that one either. I wonder if I skipped it accidentally. You might but have. But either way, that's, that's rough. Rough. Sadly, that's my kind of clumsiness right there. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> All right, 1981, Boris Segal. A Ukrainian-American film director died while shooting the TV miniseries World War III in Portland, Oregon, after he walked into the tail rotor blade of a helicopter and was partially decapitated. He died five hours later at a hospital in Portland. Bro, that's that's rough. Like, ah. Like, straight up, he was probably just explaining something to someone but, and like, wasn't paying attention, walked into the tail I'm, rotor blade. I'm sorry, like... You have to be pretty oblivious to walk into if yeah if the helicopter was standing still, which yeah. I'm assuming it was, because mm-hmm. he walked into it. Yeah, helicopters are not quiet. He knew it was on. Like it's yeah. again, it kind it's kind of hard to feel pity on this one. Yeah, at the same time though, like he probably knew, like you obviously you could hear it. He knew it was on, but he might not have realized exactly how close he was standing to it. Maybe, and like I said, that all goes out the window if the helicopter was moving. True. All right, February nineteen eighty-two. David Grundman shooting at cacti with his shotgun near Lake Pleasant, Arizona, was crushed when a four-foot limb of the cactus detached and fell on him. So the only way, what? It had to have been a tall cactus. He hadn't been shooting up. Yeah. Right. Because we like, talked about that. Yeah. The limb alone was four feet. So I mean, that's a big cactus. It is. This guy's stupid. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. April nineteen eighty two. 
Michael Scaglione died after smashing his golf club against a golf cart. The head broke off and impaled him in the throat, severing his jugular vein. I guarantee this guy was an asshole. <laughs> like, he got so mad playing golf mm -hmm. that he wanted to hit his golf cart with a golf club. Yep. Like, that is a man who has anger issues on the golf course. I mean, probably more than just there. Yeah, he's probably... We throw out a lot of, like, random accusations. We I need do. to stop, because I was going to be like, oh, he probably, like, beat his wife and children or something like that. But, like, I know nothing about this dude. <laughs> like, I'm throwing probably it know there. he was just having a really terrible day. I mean, still, like, it's like when you watch those videos on YouTube of, like, the people that get mad throw their uh, when they're playing video games and throw their controller at the TV. Like, why? You spent money on that shit. Yeah. Like, why are you going to break it? Don't even, because I have broke a PlayStation controller one time, <laughs> but I didn't throw it through a TV. No, true. All right. Uh, July 1982. In the early morning hours of July 23, 1982, uh, Vic Morrow and two child actors, seven-year-old, I think it's Mika Dinlay, and six-year-old Renee Shinyi Chen were okay. filming Twilight Zone the movie in California. They were performing a scene for the Vietnam sequence in which their characters attempt to escape from a deserted Vietnamese village while pursued by a U.S. Army helicopter. The helicopter was hovering at approximately 24 feet above them when the heat from special effect pyrotechnic explosions reportedly delaminated the rotor blades and caused the helicopter to crash on top of them, killing all three instantly. Moro and Lei were decapitated and mutilated by the helicopter rotor blades while Chen was crushed by a helicopter strut. So the helicopter had to come down at an angle. Yeah. I wonder if the pilots died. I don't know. I I would think that they would be included They'd in be this listed. if that if that because the like the first time you read it, I remember li thinking like okay they died the helicopter must have came straight down because twenty four feet yeah it's a fall but, but like it won't just like yeah for the helicopter but if it came down sideways yeah it'd fuck up a lot of stuff uh -huh. so I'm wondering if they survived interesting yeah. Uh, 1983, Tennessee Williams, an American playwright, died after accidentally choking on a plastic bottle cap while he was which he was using to ingest barbiturate, bar barbitu barbiturates. 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 There you go. <laughs> According, uh, sorry, reports to at the time of his death indicated that he had died applying eye drops while holding the cap between his teeth, but this was corrected in the official medical examiner's report six months later. They were trying to cover up the fact that he was using drugs. Yeah. Uh, also in 1983, Truls Helovic, a Norwegian diver, was explosively dismembered in a diving bell accident at the North Sea. Helovic was exposed to an eight atmosphere change in pressure, change in air pressure, which instantaneously forced his body through a 24 inch opening. Uh, three other divers were also killed in the accident. Ooh. We talked about it before. So, uh, 24 inches 
doesn't seem like that small of a space. I So I thought about this more after. Go ahead. But we're thinking 24 inches in diameter as if it's a circle. Nothing says that it's a circle. It could have been like a slit that was 24 inches long. Well, not only that, like, because I was like, oh, if you essentially went ass first, you would just be folded in half. But who's to say it didn't like wasn't like behind really? his shoulder blades and suck him through and snap exactly. his neck, you know, because yeah. it said it dismembered him. Yeah. So it pulled him through with such force, it literally ripped him apart. It literally ripped his insides out. Well, it ripped him apart, essentially. Yeah. Like. Explosively dismembered. Yeah, which means like. It's a very descriptive term. Yeah. Well, eight, the, the eight atmosphere pressure difference is big. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to correct, it's going to push from, what well, I'm trying to remember. Higher atmosphere to lower? Well, he's yes. diving, so... Yes, it would go higher to lower because it's trying to balance. Yeah. Um, yeah that sucks. Yeesh. 1983, Dick Wertheim, a tennis linesman, died after a ball struck him in the groin and he fell out of his chair. You okay over there? Yes, I just don't even... Because all I remember was making a joke about the dude being the lifeguard of the tennis court because he's (laughs) up on the tower. Yeah. Which is already sad. Like, he sits up there and just watches to make sure the ball stayed in or not. And then he just gets hit right in the nuts. And probably, like... Probably... Said something funny or said something, like, made, like, a high-pitched noise, went to go step off, like, to step, and just fucking fell. Oh, no, I would have thought that he... Because, you know, when guys get hit in their groin, they tend to, like, like, lunge You think he went head first? I think he went head first, yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably died from the head trauma. Probably. You were probably right. All right. In 1983, Jimmy Ferrozo a bouncer at the Condor Club in San Francisco, died while engaging in sexual intercourse with his girlfriend, Teresa Hill, on a grand piano that was lowered from the ceiling by a hydraulic motor. Ferrozo accidentally activated the lifting mechanism, which pinned him against the ceiling, leading to his suffocation. His girlfriend survived the accident. Yeah, so... We talked about this one. It squished, like they were on top of each other. Mm -hmm. It squished him in a way that he couldn't breathe, but she could. And granted, that's assuming she was still on the piano when he died. She might have rolled off the second she realized. It said he died while they were in the midst of it, didn't it? Died while engaging in sexual intercourse. So, yeah. They were in the midst of Zebangin. So they yeah, just... yeah, because we established that probably the size of him is what was probably enough to protect keep her. her. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, John... I say I say finish up until two thousand. Okay. And then we'll I'm call almost it for this done episode. with the '80s, and then we've got maybe ten for the '90s. Cool. Let's do it. So. All right, uh, 1984, John Eric Hexum, an American actor, died after playing a simulated Russian roulette with a 44 Magnum pistol loaded with blanks. The blanks contained paper wadding, and when Hexum pulled the trigger against his temple, the wadding was propelled with a force that broke Hexum's skull, causing a massive brain bleeding. So this, along with one you're going to get to, mm-hmm. completely changed the way blanks were done in the filming industry. Yeah. 
uh, because like this one isn't well known. No, the other one, the next really one is. in the '90s, is well known. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that one than what you do, because I want to yeah. kind of go a little bit more in depth on that one. Um, but, but it completely changed how blanks were used in the movie and filming industry. All right, uh, another 1984, another unknown, and I, an unidentified 25-year-old man was using submersion as an erotic asphyxia mes- method. Uh, when a homemade pla- sorry, with a homemade plastic bodysuit, he tied himself to a boat and was using a homemade diving apparatus for air supply. He died from rebreathing, causing caused by the faulty air supply device. So homie tied himself to the bottom of a boat, essentially, mm-hmm. underwater, mm-hmm. and had an air system that went up to the surface, mm-hmm. but it wasn't circulating, so he was just breathing in his own CO2. Yes. Dummy. <laughs> Could you imagine the cops having to figure that out? Oh, you know, they just gave it to the rookie. They're like, yo, dude, you figure this one out. <laughs> and the poor bastard is like, what? Yeah. All right, 1987, Franco Brun, 22, an inmate at the Metro Toronto East Detention Center in Canada, died trying to swallow a pocket-sized Bible. He wanted God with him at all times. (laughs) He wanted Jesus inside him. True. In 1988, a poodle named Cachi, Cachi, in... Uh, Cabalito Buenos Aires Buenos Aires whatever fell from 13 floors and fatally hit 75 year old Marta Espina killing both of them instantly did she catch her? it didn't say well dog's name is Catchy boo (laughs) so Catchy wasn't caught in the course of the events, 46-year-old Edith Sola saw this happen and was fatally hit by a bus. So she's... She watched all this happen. Probably ran street, across the street or was crossing the street when it happened and stopped. Gets hit by a bus. An unidentified man saw Edith get hit by the bus and then was so shocked he had a heart attack and also died on his way to the hospital. All because of a poodle. Mm-hmm. A suicidal poodle named Catchy. Yep. Who was not caught. Nope. In 1988, <laughs> uh, on Saturday, April 2nd, veteran skydiver Ivan Lester McGuire was filming a jump by an instructor and student from the Franklin County Sports Parachute Center when he jumped from a plane without a parachute. Focused on the filming process, McGuire apparently forgot to put on a parachute, and his camera equipment may have been mistaken for a shoot. The tape was recovered. So, this one kind of baffles me, because, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a really careful person. I don't like heights as it is, um, which is great, you know, because I fly Mm -hmm. for a living now, which is amazing. Uh, but homie. So the idea is that he forgot to put on a shoot. You and don't. And because it's the 80s, his camera equipment is big enough that 
everyone else might have just assumed that he already had one on. I don't care how nervous I am, how excited I am. Before I jump out of a plane, I am checking, double checking, triple checking, and quadruple checking that I have a fucking parachute on. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, that's, I'm being sarcastic. But I mean, I'm, to be fair, though, he's... An, this is no excuse, but he obviously wasn't afraid of it. He's a veteran skydiver. You know what I mean? So he doesn't have a fear of flying. He throws the chute on and jumps out of the plane in within the same minute okay. of each other. So my only argument to that is... He's a veteran skydiver and he should know. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you've done something like (laughs) I've driven my car back and forth to work every day. I'm not going to get in my car and just leave my eyes closed the entire fucking time. Like, see what I mean? It's, it should be second nature to make sure you have a parachute. (laughs) What's really amazing about that is that the footage was recovered. That kind of blows my mind because that camera props to the camera company because it should not have survived. All right. Well, and to be fair, he might have shielded it from impact, too, if he realized he didn't have... He's like face down, backpack on with camera equipment, goes to pull his parachute, nothing happens because it's his Nikon (laughs) bag, and he's just like, well, fuck it, I'm going to hit face first. He hits, but the backpack's on his back, so it just doesn't take the hit. I meant that he probably moved the backpack to the front and then... Went back first? Yeah. Yeah. Would you go ass first or would you go face first? If I was, if I knew I was gonna die anyway, I would go back first because I don't want to see the ground. Count the inches. (laughs) See, I don't think I would want to go back first because I wouldn't want to see the ground. Shut up! (laughs) I like leaned off the couch, put my arms out, like looked down, (laughs) like I'm falling, and then I like leaned back. I would go face first. Well, because I think this would scare me. Like that's we... your choice. Uh, yeah, I would go back first. Okay, I think we should stop at the end of the eighties. Okay. Are we? We're at about an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. Roughly. And uh, we're really tired, so we're talking more about each one. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll we'll call it there. Was that the last one? That was the last one. Oh the shit! 80s. That was perfect timing then. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up part dose. Yes. So three-parter? It's going to be a three-parter because we still have the 90s. We have the 2000s, which have quite a few. We have the 2010s, which have a lot. Okay, so one more, you think. And then a handful from the 2020s. And then we have animal deaths if we want to do that. Wait, a handful from the 2020s? Like Like already. It's been seven. I mean, you know what? Never mind. I'm not even going to fucking say it because this year's been wonky enough as it is. Um. So yeah, we'll call it. Animal deaths Rombe gonna be on it. It might be, to be to be perfectly honest. Nope. No. Nope. Injustice. <laughs> Alright. We'll wrap this episode up. Yeah. Alright, well that was episode nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh next week I am not doing weird deaths. I have no clue what I'm doing for episode twenty. Um, but if you liked it, uh, check out our website at sim- – oh, I almost screwed that up. Dyingtoknow.simplecast.com. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash dying to know podcast, Instagram at dying to know podcast, Twitter at dying to know cast, or you can email us with any questions or topic suggestions at dying to know cast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. Um, you have anything else? No. Let's wrap this bitch up. Thank you for listening, <laughs> and we will talk to you guys, talk at you guys. Yeah. Talk at you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You're tired. <laughs>